welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a great guest on today with us uh, on the Think MHK podcast. It is our relatively new director of our our CPD, Riley County Police Department, uh, Brian Pete. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good, sir. Thank you for letting me be here. Yeah, so you're going to be new for a while. I've been here four years, and I still have people that will refer to me as the new chamber president. So... I, I said relatively new, but just count on that you will be new for a long time. Sounds good to me. I like being that. So uh, we always ask our guests to tell us a little about themselves and how they ended up in Manhattan. You've been here now. How long? I've uh, been here roughly about six, six, six months, months okay. somewhere around there. So you started here then around January, 1st of January. Yeah. The, the, the official swearing in date, I think, was December 30th last year. And you have a long history working with police departments. So talk talk about your where you grew up and your work experience, and then and then how you ended up here. Sure. Um, so uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Um, have an older brother, younger sister. Both of my parents uh, retired out of the Chicago Police Department. So I grew up in Chicago. Um, went to school at uh, Southern Illinois University to get a bachelor's degree in sociology. I also joined RLTC in the Air Force, and when I graduated. Went to college in 92, graduated in 97, had a little too much fun, but I was never a party animal. I was more of a, just, a, just an ignorant nerd, um, so I had to redo one more year. But um, graduated, and I got my commission in the Air Force, and I became an aircraft maintenance officer, Little Rock Air Force Base C-130s, then uh, PCS to Holloman Air Force Base uh, to work on the F-117 Stealth, a 9-11 hit. From 9-11, I cross-trained into the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, which is the Air Force's version of the NCIS, if you will. Got back uh, from training at uh, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Glencoe, Georgia. Went to be the operations officer uh, for Detachment 206 at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. Deployed to Afghanistan Operation During Freedom. Came back to Nellis, PCS to Langley Air Force Base as a regional manager. And then uh, I went to, then I got out of the Air Force, um, honorable discharge. Went back to Chicago to become a, just a regular blue shirt for the Chicago Police Department, and then after doing that for rough for almost ten years, uh, got out, joined J.P. Morgan Chase, anti money laundering, know your client. Uh, did that for a year. Once you get a, a bite of public service, you got to go back to public service. So I went uh, back into the city of Chicago, worked for the Inspector General's office as a chief investigator. Then we had uh, had an incident. Um, in which the, the Department of Justice was going to come down, the Chicago Police Department. And uh, so then I became uh, uh, the chief forensic audit investigator for public safety, just looking over programs, policies for the Chicago Police Department. Uh, then I left there, went to become the chief of police in Alamogordo, New Mexico, did that for almost two years, went to Montpelier, Vermont, did that for two years, and then got blessed to come here to Manhattan um, and been here since December. So that's a pretty long and storied history. I don't know that I'd gotten all that, all those details when you were hired. So I want to go back on a couple of things. So uh, your parents were both police officers in Chicago. Yes. Was, okay. So they, there had to be some great stories. <laughs> and, and I say great, just interesting <laughs> stories that, that they had in their time. Are they both uh, retired? or Yeah, they're, they're both retired. My brother's on the job now. Okay. So any interesting stories from their time? Ooh. Well, you, of course, you were in Chicago Police Department too. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be some really interesting stories. In oh, there. oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there are there are plenty of interesting stories. Uh, I'll tell one that's 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 uh, well, 
The one that just jumps to mind is not a funny one because there are a whole bunch of those. But uh, I remember once when my mother was on the job and I was, I, I wasn't, you know, I was still younger. One time I went with her to, um, to her district, to her job. And as we were leaving, there was, there was a parent, there was a mom with her daughter, her young daughter. And, and, and my mother had an eye. Of course, I didn't know what the heck I was looking at. And my mother had, had an eye to kind of understand and see what it was. And looking back at it now, it's a human trafficking thing. Um, you know, mother, her own daughter. So I remember, uh, my mother got into it with her and there was another gentleman there was on the street and, uh, they went back and forth. That was the first time I heard my mother cuss somebody out <laughs> and get ready to draw her gun out. So yeah, that was a kind of a shocking experience, but at the same time, it's like, you know, all right, go mom. Okay. Yeah. And so you grew up in Chicago. What was that like? <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was fun. There were, you know, sh Chicago has changed, uh, in, in so many different ways, but my Chicago, the Chicago that I remember, I had a great time, great childhood and, uh, you know, just a lot of good things that have happened. A lot of family and friends that are still there. And as a Southsider, then are you a White Sox fan? A White Sox fan all the way. My wife's a Cubs fan, but I had to, to get a date on her, I had to go to a Cubs game. I got you. I got you. So your time in Chicago PD, what was that? What was that experience like? Ooh, it was, uh, I, I, I grew up um, a lot. And uh, sometimes there were, you know, again, there was a lot of fun. There was a lot of camaraderie, but there was also a, a lot of darkness and sadness to it. So I, I got the chance to, I mean, I, I was in the 11th district on the west side of Chicago and there we had everything, open drug air markets, human trafficking, prostitution, shootings all the time. It was just DUIs, everything that that other agencies deal with, they were compacted within um, a couple square miles of, of of where we worked at, and so I got a chance to see a lot of stuff, and I, I got to grow as a professional, but I kind of also kind of uh, it took a lot out of me mentally. So talk about the uh, time you spent with J.P. Morgan on the on the uh, the money laundering. What what was that, and what did that entail? So I was, uh, at, at the time, you know, part of that whole thing with the, with, with Chicago is, uh, my wife and I, we would go on vacations and furloughs and say, Hey, you know, where do you want to, where do we want to go when we, when I retire from the job? And then it just got to the point, why am I doing that? You know, life's too short. Why don't we look and go someplace that we're comfortable at? Cause Gabriella was born at that time. So that's when I started looking outside the department and joined JP Morgan Chase. It was the private bank. And, uh, I got to see ultra high wealth. And just, uh, you know, adhering to like Frank Dodd regulations and things to that effect, you know, to avoid money laundering. So it was interesting to see the private sector and how those things work and how those protections come into play and what to look for in those types of investigations. So basically your job was to work with JP Morgan clients and make sure they they saw the warning signs for laundering or, or other sort of illegal activities. Is that kind of what that was? That, and we were also looking for warning signs to making sure that our clients didn't. Weren't, weren't, weren't engaging. Weren't laundering money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so you talked about the Air Force, and um, I had an opportunity uh, in one of my previous stops to work uh, at, with an Air Force base at C-130s. And so, uh, but talk about that experience. First of all, what made you decide to go into Air Force? And then what do you think you learned in the Air Force that's helped you going forward? I learned a lot. I learned a lot about um, integrity. Um, I can still recite the core values, you know, uh, service before self-excellence and all we do. And um, it, there's just... It helped me to grow up. It helped forge my character into what I think my parents had already instilled in me. But what attracted me to it again, and in high school, I just, I was just, I was a lame, I'm lame now, but I was a lame kid, especially back then. And uh, 
and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, which college to go to. And I was a, uh, just became a senior. And so I went to the Illinois Institute of Technology, IIT, downtown Chicago. And it was a leadership lab. And so we go in there and everybody's in all these uniforms. And the guy I was shadowing, he was a junior in, in the college. And he's like, okay, the colonel's going to walk in. When he does, everybody stands up in the room. They're going to call the room to attention. You just stand up with us. Don't say anything to the colonel says at ease. And the colonel walks in, they call the room to attention. And I was like, oh, wow, I love this. And that's what brought me into ROTC. And so you were in maintenance. Uh, aircraft first, maintenance, yes. On the C-130s. Mm -hmm. And then you moved into law enforcement yes. there. When did you get the opportunity to do that? And how did that, was that something you said, if I get a chance to go into law enforcement, I'm going to do it? Or did it just kind of happen upon you and you said, oh, I'm used to this. My parents did this. This is what I want to do. It was a little bit of a mixture of both. And in and, and the Air Force, OSI is, is like, it's hard to get into to being a pilot. So yeah, I'm, that definitely is not a reflection on, on me. Uh, that's just luck. Uh, but seeing OSI uh, and seeing what they do and what the mission was, it was something that once I got into the Air Force and actually saw what they did, it was something extraordinarily intriguing and something I wanted to do. So I tried to set myself up uh, to make myself more attractive and promotable uh, for them to, because uh, OSI picks you. you, you know, you can apply for it, but unless OSI asks you, then yeah. So I just had to work with OSI and kind of prove my worth. And you felt like that was a good move for you at that point. Oh yeah. It got me here to Manhattan. Yeah. Well, there you go. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there in just a minute. So, uh, Chicago kid, I know you were in New Mexico for a while, but, uh, Montpelier, Vermont seems like the total opposite of Chicago. How did you end up in Vermont? Oh wow! So so um, yeah, I, I believe in honesty and candor. So I was the the chief in Alamogordo, New Mexico, and Alamogordo is polar opposite, political opposite of Montpelier, Vermont. Um, but in Alamogordo, I got into disagreements, if you will, of leadership priorities, other different types of things. So uh, long story short, on that one, I was pretty much asked to leave that department, and and it's hard. To uh, when you're, especially as a as a chief executive officer in law enforcement, and there's there's always a brick on you at that point. Um, so I applied for like roughly 124 police departments, um, looking for a place to go, uh, all throughout the country. And uh, Montpelier uh, was kind of like the story with here in Manhattan. Um, is uh, you know, in studying being part of the Inspector General's office in Chicago and studying what law enforcement agencies that are succeeding are doing other places. Montpelier was a place that I studied and that opportunity came up and they took a chance on me and, uh, and I'm forever indebted to them. And I, and I really appreciate the opportunity and the bonds of uh, the friendships that I grew or uh, that have grown uh, for me there. So I really miss Montpelier, but what, what I ended up having to, to look for other opportunities outside because my parents are getting sicker and then my mother-in-law is getting sicker as well. So every movement of every career change has, has been in relation to personal type things. Anything interesting in Vermont that um, you get to meet Bernie Sanders? Was that, um, he's the, probably the most famous <laughs> Vermont resident at this point, right? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. I, I, I got to see him, but I did get to meet uh, Patrick Leahy seven times. Okay. I, I like Patrick Leahy. He, uh, first time I met him is uh, I was coming in there. I was getting ready to, to be introduced to the public that, that morning. The phone woke us up at about 7.50 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, it's a Vermont number. It might be my boss, my city manager. So I picked up the phone and I'm like, hello. And he's like, Brian, Patrick Leahy here. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say crap. I said another word. And it just popped up and got up, instantly woke up. And he's like, hey, uh, did I wake you up? I'm like, no, sir. No, you didn't. No, uh, I've been up two hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm just, just already worked out and you know, <laughs> just going through my mental 
orientation here at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. So that was that was the highlight because I've there, there are a lot of a lot of folks in you know in leadership and uh, and I really admire uh, folks who have had that longevity and that 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 service to their country. And Patrick Leahy's one of them that to me, you know, I'd, I look at into honor and integrity and, and and how people are doing things. And he he just, uh, you know, I, I think he's a very remarkable person. So you talked a little bit about being closer to your family, but what are some other things about the RCPD job that attracted you to apply? That it is, I think, the premier consolidated agency. It is the example of consolidation for law enforcement. And I don't just say that because I'm here. I say that because it's true. Um, and, and I think that law enforcement is, you know, the consolidation is the future of, of policing. And that's what we need to look at. And, um, and it is. And, and again, it, in learning more about RCPD um, through the Chicago Police Department, that's what we got to see. That's what I got to study. What, what's going on in Montpelier what are in Vermont? What's going on in, in uh, Kansas? What's going on in Texas? And, and in Kansas, it's the Riley County Police Department. And so just for people maybe listening who, who aren't familiar, the city of Manhattan and Riley County have combined their law enforcement efforts into one. So we have Riley County Police Department. So most places you would have, the city would have a police department that would police the city and then the county would have a sheriff's office in, in most cases that would police outside of the city and manage the jail. And so, I mean, and this is oversimplification, I know, but but for purposes of Riley County, we are together and that's the consolidated and we're the only one in Kansas, correct? Mm-hmm. Why is that beneficial to the community and to the county? I think that, you know, first and foremost, in consolidating, there's no money savings. In the long run of consolidation, there is money savings and there's an accountability factor too. Um, in, in law enforcement, I think with, with any profession, you deal with, with, with egos, you deal with, with, with folks that may have a different type of direction. And I think in law enforcement, it's not our responsibility to, to, to dive ourselves into politics. I I think it's our responsibility is to is to the citizens that we serve and to and to looking out for it through that aspect. And so I think with the consolidation, it gets down to brass tacks. It gets down to just business. There's no other distractions. Um, and then all the tools are there to legitimately um, make things work and to implement strategies that will make things work proactively. And uh, it's a great opportunity. And I wish more uh, agencies throughout the country would do it. I know former director Dennis Butler used to tell me it isn't necessarily that you save money, but you do get a much better policing effort than you would otherwise for a community or county our size because of the consolidation. So you came in and and I was actually, I didn't, you weren't one, you weren't the individual that I took on a tour, but I was part of taking all the candidates on a tour. So when you were going through that process, I think there were three finalists. Did you know all along, hey, if I get offered this job, I'm taking it or did you have some reservation? And and if you did, what were some of the things that, that um, kind of stemmed the tide to make you decide, yes, I'm going to take this? There were absolutely no reservations at all. The, uh, the, the thing that gave me pause was, again, uh, my, my, my allegiance to uh, Montpelier Police Department and to Bill Frazier, who was my city manager at the time. Th- that, you know, saying goodbye to them was what made the decision hard. But the job in itself and the community, oh, it was not not hard at all to uh, to say this is a place that I could live this is a place that I could raise our or that we could raise our family um, th- there is just there's something about uh, you know Manhattan there's something about Riley County that just that just says home so how do you view RCPD's role in the community it's a twofold thing I think that um, from 
you know, our, our, our priority is the safety and security of all of all of our citizens within this community. That's foremost. And how do we ensure that safety? But there's another component. There's a business related component um, that with within if we want to improve the quality of life, if we provide great service and great safety to our citizens, to our community members, then everything else is going to take off. It's going to be more attractive for businesses. It's going to be more attractive for more families. So you're going to have growth. And through that growth, um, you know, even getting all the way down in the weeds, your taxes are going to go lower because you're bringing in more people to share those tax burdens for, for services and everything else to that effect. So I think that one of the foundations that we provide is that opportunity to attract other people to this great place. Uh, obviously, over the last several years, law enforcement has faced a lot of challenges across the country. Um, how has that impacted you personally and how do you think that's impacted RCPD, if at all? Um, I think, uh, so personally it was that there were some struggles here and there. Uh, there were a lot of times that I, that I questioned, you know, am, am I, do I want to stay in this career field? Because I, I, I think, um, when we get into as a society to this real dangerous business of brushing everybody with the same brush stroke, um, rather than just looking at people as people and understanding the human part of what everybody's going through. Um, I, I think we lost our way and, and, uh, and, and there, were, there were effects there. So in, in, in me thinking about what I want to do in law enforcement or whatnot, there were two motivators that kept me in was A, uh, being in Afghanistan, uh, being in those types of environments, you never want to leave your brothers and sisters behind. Uh, and, and I didn't want to leave my brothers and sisters in law enforcement behind. Uh, the, but the other part of it was I remember uh, as a chief, when I first got into Montpelier, Vermont, and I was talking to uh, a couple of people, and we were having a conversation about how we're recruiting people or how we're trying to attract people into this profession. And somebody had mentioned that, uh, that a father would say, what do you want to do in law enforcement? Well, I, I think I would tell people to get out. Then how would I, why would I entrust the life of my daughter or son to you when you don't even want to stay in your own profession? And then there, there comes the decision to say, you know what, you got to kind of stop with the, with the self-loathing and get into business of, of fixing the profession and, and bringing it back. Uh, and that's the best way to help it. How about RCPD? Has there been any effects that you've witnessed in terms of some of that? Or I know you talked earlier at, at an event at the chamber that uh, you were surprised by the number in terms of positive numbers of applicants, even though you've, you heard from the rest of the staff that that was a little lower than it's been in the past. So talk about that a little bit. You think it's impacted some of the numbers we've had here at RCPD? Yeah, I, I think that there are, you know, I, I can't uh, can't speak to what the impact may have had prior to me getting here. But I, I think as the profession as a whole, how it may have affected the department is, um, uh, you know, in, in, in all law enforcement, it used to be, you know, five slots open, 100 people apply. Those days are long, long gone. And, uh, but I think that the, what RCP done, the one thing I know is that there may have been struggles. There may have been some folks in the community that may have, you know, tried to paint RCPD with a brush of a law enforcement agency that is uh, systemically, you know, biased or anything else to that effect. But I, I think the, the hard work they put into and in, in being part of the community saved them from an overwhelming community push that has been happening in other neighborhoods and other communities uh, from that. So, But I definitely think that that has affected people wanting to come in law enforcement because it might be somewhat of a stigma nowadays. Um, but uh, RCPD is, is probably up in the top 10% of agencies that, that is fortunate enough to say we have over 90% of our sworn staffing. 
in terms of the policing, obviously you, you don't see as big a challenge in terms of like the jail and some of the administrative. Oh or- no, no, there is, there is not. And, 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 and you know, like I had joked today at, at lunch um, was, uh, uh, you know, when I wave at somebody in uniform or in a squad car here in, in, in Manhattan or Riley County, with, uh, I get waved back with all five fingers. And, and that's a huge boost. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of people who are a lot of like lateral movements, like a police officer in, in one community looking to go to another community, that's huge. That's what a lot of folks are looking for, because in a lot of places, they're not getting that wave. Um, you know, or, or they're getting certain, you know, additional stressors in, 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 into what the job already brings. So I, I think that's a, one of the other things that makes us attractive as an organization. You've been here now close to six months. Has there been anything that has surprised you either positively or negatively about the director's job of, of Raleigh County Police Department? You know, it, it's one thing to read about it and hear about it. It's another thing to actually experience it, just the level of support. Um, that I have gotten from the community, um, from the department, and, uh, and and just to see that it's not window dressing of what I've studied or what I've seen or what I've been told about the Riley County Police Department, that it is honestly true, uh, the culture of the department, the professionalism of the department, the family environment of the department. And, uh, you know, I, I'll make a shameless plug. If, if you're out there and you're thinking about law enforcement, phew, Riley County is the place you want to be at. And I've been to a lot of places. Riley County is the place you want to be. Well, there you go. There's your recruiting pitch for today. And so <laughs> I, so another question, this wasn't on our prepared list of questions, but, but it's something that that since I've lived here a little over four years um, has been interesting to me. So we have a consolidated Raleigh County, Manhattan Police Department, but then we have this part of Manhattan that also sits in Pottawatomie County. And then we have these homes that are not the city limits of Manhattan. They're in Pottawatomie County that are covered by Pottawatomie County Sheriff's Office. How difficult is that for the department to maneuver? Talk about that uh, relationship and how you all are able to manage that with with so many different geographic uh, boundaries in that area. Sure, sure. So, so um, Kansas is what I'm going to say is a jurisdictionally driven uh, place. In Vermont, if you were sworn law enforcement, you could enforce the laws anywhere within the state. In Kansas, you only have jurisdiction of where you work. So in Riley County, our jurisdiction is only here in Riley County. But again, there are pockets that are in Pot County that we have to respond to. The law does allow because, us- Because they're city of Manhattan. Because, yes, because have, they've been you, annexed. Right. And yes. you have authority within the city of Manhattan. Yes. So we can definitely make those responses. And, and, and our our relationship with um, with uh, uh, Sheriff uh, Yeager um, in Pot County is strong. Again, and, and he's got vested interest in it too. He's got ties to to the Riley County Police Department, and he is a he's a professional, and he wants to see us succeed just as much as we want to be there to help him in anything that he may need from us. So we are again uh, very blessed and fortunate that we have a strong relationship there. But the, the the challenges may come as Manhattan potentially moves out and brings in more residential neighborhoods and areas, we are probably going to have to grow the department as well to respond to those different types of incidences. Because dealing with businesses is one thing, a call for service, but calls for service in residential areas is an entirely different thing. Do you get phone calls from residents in that area who think they're in Manhattan because they're, they have a Manhattan address? 
<laughs> and they're obviously not. And how do you how do you respond to that? So we we do have a uh, a PSAP, a public safety answering point. So our dispatchers there. So if there's something that the nine one one call that comes in that's not part of our jurisdiction, we'll push it over to where it needs to be, whether it's KHP or to Pot County or anything to that effect. So, um, but that again, uh, it's you know we we are very supportive and in, in, in providing um uh, mutual service to each other. So uh, we we do our best to help each other out. It's just an interesting dynamic. So, um, you you did your recruiting pitch a minute ago, but but for just anybody generally, uh, any young person considering going into law enforcement, what would you tell them? There's a huge push in society right now to be better than ourselves, to be part of something bigger, and if you really want to make a difference in someone's life and, and as well as your own, um, law enforcement's calling for you. It's not. Uh, it, it is something unexplainable and there is a reward. So there are times that, that you're going to see dark things. There are times that they're going to be things that will, will affect you and change you. But the amount of good you can do uh, and the difference you can make in someone's life uh, carries on. It, it's, it's energetic and it's undescribable. So if you want to help people, you want to do law enforcement, you want to do corrections, and if, where you want to do it is at the Riley County Police Department. Well, that's a good pitch. So uh, for those that are listening, whether they're, list- they're a young person considering a career or they maybe have a kid or grandkid considering a career, that's something that I'm sure you would be happy to talk to any young person interested in, in joining Riley County and Absolutely. talk to them about that process. So, Okay, so that is the the, the main question portion of our podcast. I'm, I'm not sure if you've listened, but we have the very infamous uh, rapid fire section, which has become super popular among our listeners. I hear, I get comments on it all the time. So do you think you're ready for this part? As fast as I can. Okay. Doesn't have to be, you don't have to, it's not have to be timed, but we just try to short answers. Do you have any hidden talents? I think I can cook. <laughs> you think you can cook. Okay. Well, that's, that's a hidden talent, I guess. Describe your perfect day. Uh, being at home and okay. lounging on the, on the, on the, the, the couch. Now, I heard you say you're a video game guy. What do you, what do you play? Oh man. Uh, yeah, I'm getting old, but like destiny, uh, destiny Two. that, the, the, those, those destiny games are, are my favorite. Uh, what do you want people to remember about you? Uh, that I always try to do my best. What job did you want as a kid? A chef. A chef. Well, you said you think you can cook, so that's good. What was your first job? I worked as a stalker at uh, Montgomery Ward's kids store. In, in Chicago, I assume. Yeah. What skill would you like to learn? Uh, to fly a helicopter. Uh, they've got those out at Fort Riley, and I tried to get them to let me fly one, and they will not let you do that. Um, I'm too old now. Well, <laughs> join the club. What is the one thing that instantly makes your day better? Uh, being at home with my family. What is one question you wish people would ask you more? Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, we should ask people that more and actually mean it. And mm-hmm. not just, hey, how's it going? Uh, do you prefer working remotely or in the office? In the office. What advice would you give the 19-year-old you? Uh, you're not all that. Interesting. Because you said you were kind of a nerd, and but you were you were a very self-assured nerd. Is that what you... Uh, just a clumsy nerd. You know how you think you're kind of cute and everything else like that? Nah, uh-huh. not as cute as you think you are, dude. Well, Director, thank you so much for joining us on the Think MHK podcast. And welcome to Manhattan. I know I've, I've told you that privately before, but... Uh, I'm saying, say it again on the podcast. And again, as I mentioned to you, you're going to be new for a long time. You're the new director and probably, I don't know, probably three, four, five years. So, but, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Appreciate, appreciate all you've brought to the community so far and, and look forward to, to seeing you around a long time running our police department. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan area chamber of commerce. 
If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Thank you.